Hi friends, it's Pastor Drew Wilkerson from Bridgewater Church. Hey, thanks for stopping by this podcast. It's our prayer that as you listen, God will speak to your heart and you will feel inspired and you'll learn new things that will help you in your daily walk with God and just in life in general. So again, thanks for stopping by and thanks for listening. Good morning, everyone. I am so excited to be with you on this Sunday morning or whenever you're watching because we are in our last message in the series called Come Back, It's Time. What an incredible opportunity that we've had to just share together and inspire one another on our comeback journeys. In fact, by now, can you just recite the definition? Comeback means to return to life, to regain a favorable position, and to recover from a deficit. I've been asking you for weeks, when you hear that definition, comeback, what comes to mind? And for me, it was only fitting today that we talk about the great tennis player, Serena Williams. I didn't know this till I did a little digging, but in 2010, right after winning her Wimbledon title, Williams stepped on broken glass in Munich. It was so horrific, she had to have 18 stitches and surgery on a lacerated tendon in her foot. She ended up with blood clots, and she literally said that she felt like she was on her deathbed. Now listen to this. 12 months of recovery and agonizing pain, but two years later, now now just think about it, Two years later, she was back dominating the tour as she had in the past. She won Wimbledon, she won the Olympic Games, and the U.S. Open in quick succession. In fact, she had her career grand slam. Amazing, isn't it? Among her open error record, she had 23 grand slam titles, but get this, Ten of those titles came after her severe injury. She had a setback, but then she experienced a comeback, and wow, listen to what she says. I've grown the most not from victories, but setbacks. If winning is God's reward, then losing is how he teaches us. Okay, do any of you feel like you're losing ground? Have you really been tracking in this series? Or maybe you're like, I just want to give up. Don't do it. Don't give up. Press in. Lean in. Serena Williams' insight about her faith in God should inspire all of us wherever we find ourselves because if you are experiencing a setback, God has a comeback for you. And we've been looking, looking at all these incredible historical uh, figures, these characters from Acts. Think about who we've talked about. Jesus, Moses, Stephen, Philip, the Ethiopian, Saul, who would become Paul, Peter, the churches come back. And then last week, Barnabas with Saul and John Mark. And I have the privilege today 
of talking about one of my favorite stories in the New Testament. I want to talk about Lydia. Lydia had a comeback from industrialist to influencer. I can't wait to unpack this, but I have to say this to you. Ladies, some of you may be thinking, why is a man preaching on this great woman in the Bible? And can I just be transparent? It humbles me. It just humbles me to talk about this woman of the Bible because she was more than just a historical figure. She became a leader. She moved from being just, and don't think of the word just as, as a word that lessens her career, but she wasn't just an industrialist. She wasn't just an entrepreneur. She actually was a strategic visionary for God. And I can't wait to talk about the three decisions that Lydia made that are essential for all of us. But ladies, please, never underestimate your influence in the lives of the people that God has entrusted to your care. You do more than you will ever be celebrated for. Maybe you'll do more than you'll ever be known for. But your impact, your life, as an influencer, is essential to God's kingdom. So for all of us today, we need to listen to the three decisions that Lydia made because if we're willing to make them, men and women both, but if we'll make these decisions, God is about to change lives more than we can imagine or dream. So let's get started. Decision number one is found in Acts 16, and we're going to look at verses 11 through 14. From Troas... We put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace, and the next day we went on to Neapolis. From there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the woman who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. Here's the very first decision that we'll realize Lydia made. The comeback of a godly woman requires an open heart. Now, understand that Luke is the writer of Acts. He's the one giving us the details of the direction that their missionary travels was taking. What really matters in our story is that Paul, Silas, Luke, others in their uh, gathering, their companions, landed in this uh, Macedonian district and Roman colony called Philippi. In fact, maybe you're connecting the dots right now. We literally have a letter in the New Testament called Philippians. This is a letter that Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. But in our story, the church in Philippi hadn't even been established yet, and that's what makes this so exciting. When we think about Philippi, it was a melting pot of cultures in the early growth 
of the European world. Now, when we think about Europe, we're not thinking on the same strand as what Luke is writing about. This is just the beginning of Europe coming into its uh, historical emphasis, the importance of it, and Philippi was crucial to not only the history of the world, but the history of the New Testament church. I think this is so interesting, but believe it or not, I can actually relate to this. Paul and Silas and their companions landed in Philippi, and on the Sabbath, which would have been Friday evening into Saturday, they were looking for a synagogue, a gathering of people to worship with. And here's why. Jesus did it. Leaders like Peter did this. Paul did this. When they would go into a new place, if they could find a synagogue of Jewish believers, often travelers were invited to speak. And as they would speak, what do you think Paul was going to share about? Hey, the Messiah has come, and his name is Jesus. But in Philippi, they couldn't find a gathering, and this is why. I can relate to this. I was in a Jewish synagogue years ago, and I was there because of a class I was taking, and I had gone to the rabbi and asked him if I could go and be a part of their congregation on a Friday evening as Sabbath began. We had to wait. Do you know why? It takes 10 men to be able to form a gathering so that they can worship and have service together. We waited for probably 20 minutes and we finally got the 10 men we needed. Ladies, I'm sorry, but you didn't count then and you didn't count in Philippi because they could not find a gathering. Paul and Silas said, well, if there isn't any place in the city, let's go outside. And they probably began walking to the Gangites River west of the city. It would have been about a mile and a half. And when they got to the river, ironically, they were surprised because guess what? They didn't find a gathering of men. They found a gathering of women, and they were there praying. In fact, Luke actually tells us they were looking for a place to go and pray. Now, that phrase indicates to us, if we dig into the roots of the story, it tells us that they were looking for a group of Jewish people to simply go and pray with, and they found this group of women. They were there worshiping, they were there praying, they were there reading the Old Testament prophets and the law, and Paul knew that God was leading. Have you ever had a God moment like that? It was unexpected, you didn't know it was going to happen, and all of a sudden you knew that God had you in a place for a purpose? Well, that was certainly true of this gathering of incredible uh, female uh, leaders, servants, but specifically, there was a woman named Lydia. We often in the church today simply say that her name would have been Lydia, and that could very well be true, but remember, uh, we, if we trace the history back, we realize that Thyatira was part of the ancient kingdom called Lydia. 
So it may very well be that this woman's name is Lydia or the Lydian lady. Either way, what matters most is this. She was an entrepreneur. She was a business person. I did some research, and it was a lot of fun. It took me a lot of work, but it was a lot of fun. What does it really mean that she was a uh, businesswoman who dealt in purple dye? Well, to take all of that research and compact it into one meaningful moment, this is what I discovered. There were two ways to make purple dye. One through the modder roots of a plant or through murex shellfish. Did I get that out of my, my mouth all right? Murex shellfish. The modder root would have produced, and, and think about this, it would have been more of that reddish purple, and that would have been a, a, a much less expensive cloth. People probably used it for tunics or togas. But this purple, when you and I think of purple, this deep, royal, majestic purple, it would have been much more expensive because the murex shellfish would have been native to the sea near Philippi. And they would have uh, taken this secretion, this purple dye, and created it in such a way that they could dye cloth for those that were the most elite in society. Now, maybe you found that interesting, but here's what's vital. As Paul shared the message of Jesus Christ, we're told that Lydia was a God-fearing woman. Literally, a God-fearer. Do you know what that means? Her heart was open that day. Her heart was completely open to what God was saying. Here's a businesswoman. Here's an entrepreneur. Here is the woman that more than likely brought all of the people together in this group because in a minute we'll see that she had her household and her servants with her. But it was Lydia whose heart was first open. Why? Because the comeback of a godly woman requires an open heart. An open heart to, to something new, something vibrant. And because of this, she accepted Christ as her Savior. Now, I want you to really understand this, ladies. This, this is crucial to me. I think we underestimate the influence of godly women in our churches, in our homes, and in society. Women are essential to the ministry of every church, the ministry of God's kingdom, and certainly the ministry in the homes where we're raising children and impacting people spiritually for Christ. Kay, my wife, is one of those women. In fact, just so that you understand this, none of my children came to me to ask Jesus into their hearts. I mean, come on. I'm the lead pastor. I'm, I'm the one with the Bible education. Who did my children go to? Their mother. <laughs> and it all happened at an early age. Don't ever think that your children aren't listening or watching your example if you're walking with Jesus Christ because God has created in their hearts an openness to see Jesus in their mothers and their fathers if they're living for Christ. That was Kay. 
Melissa asked Jesus into her heart when she was just three. Now, it was on a, a child's level, but she wanted what she saw in her mother. And then she became an evangelist, and at five, she brought her brother Matthew to Kay and said, Mom, Matthew wants Jesus in his heart. Kay said, Matt, is that true? Matthew said, yes, Mommy. And Kay had uh, Matthew pray the prayer to ask Jesus in his heart, just as she had done with Melissa. And then just a few years later, our third child, Mary, did the same thing. I'm just thankful I was able to baptize them. Ladies, please hear what Christine Kane, a wonderful speaker, says to all of you. I want women to know that they are not less than, weaker, second, or not enough. They are created in God's image, greatly valued, loved, chosen, wanted, and adored by the creator of the universe. And ladies, can I lovingly say this? Step up and claim your title. Step up and be the woman that God has called you to be. Yes, if you're a wife, I, I know if you're a godly wife, you want to follow the leadership of a husband who is committed to Christ. I understand that. But ladies, whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you're young, whether you're middle-aged, or whether you're just, can we say, older, I don't want to get in trouble. Ladies, listen. Your influence is essential. And the comeback of a godly woman requires an open heart to receive what God is saying to you because there are loved ones, there are men, there are children, there are friends, there are family members that are watching you and they need your help to have a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. That was Lydia. Now, let's just look at the next verse. What happened next when she had it? asked Jesus into her heart. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house, and she persuaded us. Here's the second decision she made. The comeback of a godly woman influences an open hand. Now, I don't want to be confused. We will in just a moment talk about her willingness to open her home to Paul and Silas and this, this band of, uh, of leaders in God's church. But what I want you and I to specifically understand is that Lydia wasn't just a woman of independence. She was also a woman of generosity. She wanted to help expand God's kingdom. Now, understand the society of that day. That was a male-dominated society. Think about Mary and Martha, the sisters. Even though they ran their home, and that's obvious from the scripture where we read that Jesus went to the home of Lazarus, it was Martha and Mary who were there taking care of the guests, taking care of the home. But think about it. Lazarus, their brother, was the focal point. We don't see that at all with Lydia. And here's why I think this is true. I don't believe Lydia would have been able to open her home without the, can I say this without offending anyone, the permission of her husband if she had been married. Now maybe she was a widow. Perhaps she was a freed woman 
And as an industrialist, an entrepreneur, a businesswoman, she had much more freedom, but realize exactly what took place. Scripture tells us upon hearing the message of salvation found in Jesus, Lydia and all the members of her household believed and were baptized. Lydia's open heart led not only to her spiritual comeback from death to life, but also the spiritual comeback of the lives of everyone in her household. And if that wasn't enough, she looked at Paul and said, if you consider me a believer, literally in the Greek, this is what she said. If you authentically judge that my heart belongs to Jesus, then I am persuaded to plead with you, come and stay in my home. The comeback of a godly woman influences an open hand. Have you ever heard of Dorcas? Don't you love the name? Don't, don't you just love the name Dorcas? The Hebrew name for this woman was Tabitha. But the, in the Greek world, they knew her as Dorcas. Let's look at Acts 9, 36 through 43. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, which when translated as Dorcas, who was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, please come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called the believers and the widows and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. Wow, that's a comeback. That is a comeback. Dorcas was dead. And then Peter prayed and she came back to life. Wow, I can't even begin to, to, to wrap my head around this. But as much as I would love to preach on that miracle, did you see the real miracle of her life? She was known as a generous woman. She was always giving to the poor. And the widows stood around and showed Peter as they cried immense tears. They were saying, Peter, Peter, look at the robe she made us. Don't you think that when Dorcas came back to life, she was even more generous than she had ever been? Because God had a purpose for her. You see, the comeback of a godly woman influences an open hand. That was Dorcas, but it was also Lydia. And I want to know this, ladies, gentlemen, are you open-hearted and you, are you open-handed? Do you really want to experience a comeback in your life? Then you and I have to choose to become influencers. 
We're, we're not given our resources just for us. God gives us resources to expand his kingdom. And the question is, are we using our influence? Did you know this? In our society today, there are people who are paid by companies because of their social media influence. They're called basically just influencers. As I was doing my research, I found this incredible insight by Werner Geiser. He gives three pieces uh, or parts of the life of an influencer. Here's the first. An influencer is someone who has the power to affect the purchasing decisions of others because of his or her authority, knowledge, position, or relationship with his audience. Here's the next Someone, an influencer is someone who has a following in a distinct niche with whom he or she actively engages. The size of the following depends on the size of his or her topic of that niche. And here's the third. An influencer is someone who has built a reputation among people because of their knowledge and expertise on a specific topic. They make regular posts about that topic on their preferred social media channels and generate large followings of enthusiastic, engaged people who play, pay attention closely to their views. Now, are you ready for something mind-blowing? I looked it up. There is a woman named Huda Catton. I hope I got that right. She is an influencer. Now, now get this. Hear this. She receives $165,000 every time she does a combined social media post. So whatever her platforms, she receives $165,000 as a beauty influencer. Wow. Can you imagine her life? She gets up in the morning. She says, you know, I've been off for three days. I'm going to get up and do a post, and within uh, a few hours, she's made $165,000. Now, I'm not saying it's that easy, but what I do want you to understand is this. We are influencers. Every one of us, men and women, we are influencing. Maybe not on that scale, but people are watching, and this world is hungry. They're on social media, they're on YouTube, they're on Instagram, they're on Facebook, they're on TikTok. The world is hungry to see what is going on in someone else's life. And I want you to hear this, Dorcas and Lydia were the first influencers. Lydia truly was a social media uh, entrepreneur because we're told that the minute she gave her heart and life to Christ, her entire household, her family, her friends, her servants, everyone came to know Christ. Why? Because the comeback of a godly woman influences an open hand. Are our hands open? Our hearts have to be open. But then, once we come to know Christ, listen, have you opened your hands with your resources, your abilities, and don't look at me and say, Pastor, I don't have anything to give. Your very being is an influence on someone's life. Are you influencing people for Christ? Or are you influencing people away from Jesus, away from the church, away from the kingdom? God wants all men, but ladies, do not underestimate your place. 
God wants to use you to influence the lives of others. But you have to have an open hand because you have an open heart. But there's one more piece. Acts 16, 35 through 40. We're going to skip down just a few verses. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, release those men. The jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave, go in peace. But Paul said to the officers, they beat us publicly without a trial, even though we are Roman citizens, and threw us into prison. And now do they want to get rid of us quietly? No. Let them come themselves and escort us out. The officers reported this to the magistrates, and when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. They came to appease them and escorted them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house, where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. Then they left. Here's the third insight, the third decision. The comeback of a godly woman empowers an open home. Now let me just give you the quick backstory. The ministry of Paul and Silas became a growing ministry in a short amount of time. And if you go back, it's a very interesting story how they uh, cast a demon out of a young girl, then they were beaten and imprisoned because people that were uh, abusing this young woman, that's how they were gaining their income. Paul and Silas were in prison. They'd been beaten publicly, which could happen to anyone except a Roman citizen. They had not taken the time, the magistrates, to find out what had happened and what the origin of the problem was and who Paul and Silas actually were. But when all of this came to light, Paul and Silas were let out of prison. Now, it's also a beautiful story because the jailer and his family came to know Christ through this. But can you imagine them? Beaten, bloody, and bruised. They said, no, you did this publicly, now march us out publicly. Why? Because they wanted the wrong righted? No. Paul and Silas wanted people to know who they were so that the church could continue to grow. And where did they go when they got out of jail? They went to Lydia's house. Why? Because she had come back with an open heart, an open hand, and then she opened her home to become the center of the ministry in Philippi. Did you know this? Lydia was the first European convert to Christianity. This woman, this industrialist, this, this uh, woman who had uh, homes in Thyatira and in Philippi, who dealt in purple cloth and was known throughout the region. This is the woman that God got a hold of her heart. She accepted Jesus Christ, and she had a comeback from, from just being an industrialist. That was important. It was unique. It was amazing. It was wonderful. But she was more than a, a businesswoman. She became a follower of Christ, and she opened her home to those that would change the world forever. And do you know how we know that? The letter to the Philippians is one of the most endeared letters that Paul ever wrote. She's not mentioned in Philippians, but what, you know what we do realize? 
the church in Philippi grew and grew and grew. And do you know where their home base was? Lydia's house. Why? Because the comeback of a godly woman empowers an open home. Now, I have a, a challenge for us this morning. Have you ever heard the phrase, home is where the heart is? I have a question. Where's your heart today? Have you given your entire life to Jesus Christ? And ladies, do you realize how important you are in the story of every person who has a comeback? A husband, a, a friend, a child. Wherever you're a leader, you are crucial to the comeback of someone else. But too many times, I know, I know, you're not celebrated. You feel like your home and your life is full of chaos. But if you've got babies at home and kids under your care, you might just be raising the next Lydia's. You might actually be raising those influencers that will change society and social media, and God knows social media needs to be changed. And men, brothers, are you lifting up the women in your lives? Are you really being the spiritual leaders they need you to be? Because remember this, if you're the spiritual leader of your home, you're, you're, not, you're not the king of your castle. You're a partner with the woman that you adore. Are you that kind of person who's leading in your home in a way that you're celebrating the woman or the women in your life? I've been blessed. I've been so blessed with women in my life. I mean, when I think about it, my godly mother, who just passed a few weeks ago, is in the gallery of witnesses. She was my greatest encourager when I was growing up. And then I've been married to Kay, this wonderful woman who shares ministry with me. We've had three incredible children, two of them girls, and then we've added girls to our mix. And, and, and the guys that these girls are married to or they're going to marry, listen, where am I going with all this? I'm just saying, open your home. Because wherever your heart is, that's where your home is. You have the resources to open uh, God's kingdom and open the eyes of others that are in need. And we must have women like Lydia in the world today who have an open heart to Christ, an open hand to influence others to find Jesus, and then an open home to share the resources that God has given. Can we do this to close? Ladies listening at home, maybe you're in your car or at work, but wherever you are, would you just stand? I know it may seem a little odd, and if you're driving, don't try it. But maybe you want to pull over. But I want you to stand in the presence of God, and I want to pray for you. I want to commission you. If you feel like your load is too heavy, times have been too difficult, listen, I want to commission you because your comeback and the comeback of others, they rest on your relationship with Christ. And he loves you more than you could imagine or dream. So let me pray for you. God, thank you for the women in our lives. Thank you for the women that are a part of this ministry at BWC. The women on the staff. Thank you for the women uh, that 
are in our homes, wives, daughters, but thank you for the men, the sons, who are a part of this family as well. We all need a comeback, but I specifically pray for the women today. Commission them, encourage them in their journey for a comeback. May they celebrate the incredible anointing Holy Spirit that you have for them. Lift them up, encourage them, and may every woman know that she is fearfully and wonderfully made by God. And Father, let the men in their lives, these precious women, may they support them, love them, encourage them, compliment them, inspire them. And God, may we see the influence of comebacks in each and everyone's life that they touch. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you. What a great series this has been. Chat with us online. Let us know that you've experienced your comeback. If you're in the process, tell us what it is. We'll pray with you. But share this with others. Talk about comebacks because we all need them. And listen, guys, for those women in your life, whoever they are, thank them and tell them how important they are because we need godly women to lead the way. I love you, and until I see you again, take heart and be transformed. Hey friends, thanks for listening. And if you wanna be a part of our eFamily, then all you have to do to join us is click the link below, and you can check us out on our YouTube page. You can also join us on social media. And if you'd like to support the ministry, then just click the link to give. We're so grateful for all of our partners and together we can do more than we can alone. So again, thanks to all of you for listening to this podcast and also thank you for helping us reach people around the world through Jesus Christ.